Welcome to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. Every other Wednesday, Adrian, your host, talks to key players in the fashion industry to discover new products and understand the challenges behind offering more responsible fashion and learn the solution available today. This podcast is brought to you by Première Vision, the leading event organizer for fashion professionals. To find out more, go to www.premiervision.com. Discover and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast. Today, I am with Kathleen Radman. She's director of innovation of the platform Fashion for Good. Hello, Kathleen. Hi, Adrian. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, my very first question is, could you please uh, introduce yourself and come back on your pathway, please? Sure. So, as you mentioned, I'm Kathleen Roderman. I'm director of the innovation platform here at Fashion for Good. I uh, have had an interesting journey so far. I started my career out in investment banking. I did that for almost six years And then I realized quite soon that I wanted to work in an area with greater impact. So I went to study again to INSEAD in France. And then I joined as head of strategy for an electric vehicle startup called Fastned. We were looking at rolling out electric charging stations across Europe. During that time, I found the opportunity at Fashion for Good to help scale different innovations across the fashion industry and you know, basically jumped at the opportunity I thought it was a really exciting industry to be part of. So my career has kind of taken a strange turn, but the overall theme of it now is impact and, and trying to make a difference in, in our world. All right. Fantastic. Uh, you know, this podcast is about sustainability. Uh, and I, I guess you've got a very good definition of sustainable fashion. What is sustainable fashion according to you? So from... Fashion for Goods perspective, I think the best way to describe sustainable fashion is to think about it more from a restorative and a regenerative perspective. So we're really thinking about a system where garments and textiles are created with the end of use in mind, and we're not dependent on fossil fuel resources, but rather on regenerative and restorative resources. That's a very clear definition. <laughs> um But you mentioned it already, you know, after investment banking, you dedicated your life to sustainability. Can you give us um, what, what, was in your, what was in your head at the time when you decided to, 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 to change your, your career path? It's, it seems uh, quite uh, a bold change, no, in terms of, uh, of, uh, of value and, uh, and in terms of uh, money as well, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was bold um, on reflection. I think I'm quite a purpose-driven individual and I was probably in my early 20s at the time when I decided I wanted to work in an environment that had true impact where I could go to bed at night and knowing that everything I'm doing is making a little difference um, in the world that we live in and particularly um, you know, for future generations. And that's why I decided to, to make the change. Fantastic. Uh, let's move to the Fashion for Good uh, subject. What is Fashion for Good? Uh, what is the genesis? What it is? What is the vision behind, uh, behind this, uh, for, uh, this free world? So Fashion for Good started in March of 2017. So we celebrated our five-year anniversary last year. And it was started by the Loudest Foundation and William McDonough. And basically, we were built 
um, around innovation at the core, as well as collaboration and creating a pre-competitive space where some of the biggest global brands can come together and really help innovation that is more sustainable than incumbents move forward. And we do so through two main pillars. The one is what we call our convener for change, and that's where we host a museum um, at Fashion for Good here in Amsterdam that connects basically consumers to the world of fashion to educate them and hopefully change their hearts and minds around um, how they behave as a consumer. And the second is our innovation platform. And that's the business to business part of the of Fashion for Good. And here we engage all different types of fashion brands as well as manufacturers across the world to introduce them to new innovations that are more sustainable than the incumbents. So I'm going to give you a tangible example. Uh, we have chemical recyclers in our portfolio, and these are companies that enable us to recycle uh, you know, new, you know, old fibers into new. And we introduce those to brands with the idea that they can then incorporate those new fibers into their supply chain. So that's one example, but we work really across the supply chain from raw materials through to manufacturing all the way to end of use. All right. And can you, can you tell us a, a few company you are, you are working with uh, who are part of a, of a fashion for goods uh, uh, NGO? Sure. So we work with everybody from Adidas on the sports side to Target um, in the US. We also work with online players like Zalando. Um, we look with luxury players like Chanel. It's a very broad base. I think we have 24 different fashion partners um, on our platform that we work with. Mm. And how do you make it work, actually? Because, I mean, putting all those uh, um Big players around the table must be must be very very difficult. How do you how do you make it uh, happen? I think people come to join Fashion for Good because the premise is that we operate in a collaborative and a pre-competitive environment. Now it has to be said we don't have um, all fashion players on our platform because the goal is really not to be um, you know accessible to everyone. We really want to work with people that are truly committed to sustainability and have their goals and their KPIs and, and everything that they work for aligned with the vision and mission that we strive for. So they come together with that premise and we really design projects, pilots, testing of innovation around that notion that we're operating in a collaborative pre-competitive space. And thus far it's worked very well. Mm. And how do you finance yourself? So um, we are a fee-based membership. So our partners join on a fee-based structure. But then for projects and pilots, um, there are different contributions that take place from those brand partners to participate. Fantastic. Um, it looks like there is uh, a lot of initiatives uh, around this sustainable fashion uh, um, area. Um, What makes you stand out of the crowd, actually, around all the NGO uh, uh, doing stuff in this, in this area? I think the main thing that sets us aside, well, there's two things, really. I think the first is we have um, an innovation program where we bring in the best, the best innovations on a global basis. And we mentor those. We get them in touch with different brand partners and we help um, introduce them to an investor network. And... The second thing is we curate projects and pilots that enable uh, brands, retailers, manufacturers to really test 
what it is that the innovator does. Because at the end of the day, if you want to incorporate those innovations into your supply chain, you need to first check that it says what it does on the box. And we provide that environment to test in a safe space, uh, whatever it is the innovator does. And we have a couple of examples of those. Um, you know, we have some of the projects that are funded by the EU Horizon 2020, like the new cotton project, like the T-Rex project that enable us to, to create those testing environments. Hmm. Can, can you um, tell us a bit more about the, 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 the this cut, new cotton project, the T-Rex project, what it is, what, 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 what's the, um, what is at stake actually? So um, the two projects I mentioned are both EU Horizon 2020 funded projects. The new, crop, uh, the new cotton project basically brings together 12 collaborating partners across the supply chain. And the aim there is really to test circularity from textile waste all the way to completed garment to see if we can really you know, bring about true circularity. So one, it tries to demonstrate how circular garments are produced. Two, um, it's doing so at a relatively large scale with two apparel brand manufacturers. And three, we also try to identify bottlenecks in the production process so we can suggest solutions to solve that going forward. Now, the T-Rex project, which is the second project I mentioned, builds on that as well as the learnings from other Fashion for Good projects like uh, we've done a sorting of textile waste project. We've also done chemical recycling projects and really tries to take all the learnings to build on that to enable us to further build and drive um, the development of a blueprint um, yeah, to enable closed loop sorting and recycling of household textile waste. Mm -hmm. And what are the achievements so far? Um, what are the, um, I mean, is it, is it on, on, um, on, on the good, uh, how do you say it, on the good way? I mean, is it working, yeah. the, this, uh, all those projects? Are you yes. able to, to demonstrate that it's, it works and we and uh, thanks to that kind of initiative, we can uh, uh, change the world? Um, I think so. I mean, it's a, maybe it's worth mentioning these are really drop in the ocean projects compared to the greater problem, but I think they've been very successful in demonstrating the change is possible. So let's take the new cotton project. We are two out of three years through the project. We marked a key milestone last year in October where we launched uh, an exhibition at Fashion for Good where we showcased the garments that were produced by Adidas and H&M. And there was also the release of a white paper by Alta University that demonstrated the circular business models required as well as the ecosystem's blueprint. And that shared accessible insights and valuable analysis to enable people to understand how they can adopt the same process. On the T-Rex side, we've actually just started um, about probably six months or so. So there's no sort of, uh, we're really at the beginning now. I think the only thing they've done so far is, is assess the textile waste. Um, and they've designed basically feedstock specifications for the textile waste that will go into the recycling process. So it's really at the beginning of the initiative, but um, it's been very successful thus far. Fantastic. How many people are you are working for the Fashion for Good project? Um, gosh, across both um, the two pillars that I mentioned, I think we're about 45 people. But on the innovation platform, I think we're only about 15 or so. So quite a small but very agile team. Fantastic. Um, 
while you are working on those different projects, uh, what is the North Star metrics uh, of uh, Fashion for Good? And how do you measure your improvements? So I think the North Star metric is to make fashion a force for good. Now, what does that actually mean? We're really trying to enable regenerative fashion industries to scale. So let me break that down more simply. Let's take raw materials. We're trying to help innovations that produce, for example, um, a more sustainable cotton-like product to scale and become bigger and more widely adopted. How do we measure that actually? is through the number of implementations or adoptions by brands and retailers of those innovations. So if I, for example, take a brand and they are using the uh, regenerative fibers produced by one of our innovators on you know, a number of garments within their collection, I would count that as an implementation or a widespread adoption. And that's how we look at, um, we measure our success. Fantastic, great. And you mentioned the, the Fashion for Good Museum. Uh, what's, what's the point of having a museum? Uh, what's, what's the idea behind the museum? This is a physical museum or this is an online museum? It's a physical museum. So it's three floors here in Amsterdam in the center of the city. And the idea behind that is that we want to give the opportunity for consumers to be educated on A, how the fashion industry works, B, what the sort of downfalls are, really giving them um, knowledge and information on, on why it's, you know, why things are not working. And then C, educating them on the innovations that are available to really make change. So we have a thing called an innovation wall where we showcase, for example, different packaging that could be used as more sustainable, different fibers that are more sustainable, different dyeing processes that are more sustainable. So it really educates consumers. And I think the last piece is, as consumers walk around the museum, they're given kind of tips on how to live a more sustainable life. So thinking about how they wash their garments, how often, at what temperature, how do they buy, where do they buy, do they look at the labels, all that kind of thing helps educate them and to become more informed or conscious shoppers. Great. And, and how many visitors do you have a, a year approximately? To be honest with you, I don't work in the museum, so I couldn't. I would be making up a number All now, right. but I don't actually know. And according to you, what is the key, the key, sorry, in the um, in the education, you know, of uh, of of the people, of the visitors, and of uh, of uh, final customers? Uh, because I guess we are in a time in a tough time actually with a, a lot of bad news, and and uh, I feel like people, you know, they are kind of fed up with uh, uh, listening to what they have to do uh, to save the world uh, according to you how can we make this uh, message uh, a positive message I think the museum um, doesn't serve to kind of give you a smack on the hand but rather serves to be an inspiration so mm -hmm. our goal really is to have folks walk away from their museum visit thinking wow Isn't that exciting that this and this innovation is coming to life? And in being inspired, they want to shop and, and treat their garments in a more sustainable manner. So I know, for example, when I took my own folks there, they realized, you know, they should not be washing all their clothes at 60 degrees. They can do exactly the same thing at washing at 30 degrees. So if you can leave with one small change, that's really um, important. Great. 
Um, let's move to the fashion industry. Uh, I would like to know um, how can the fashion industry accelerate its implementation of circular practices uh, because it seems to be very slow. Yes, it is. It is slow. I think there's a couple of um, key sort of levers for change. I think the first is we need further collaboration. So looking at the success of projects like uh, New Cotton and T-Rex, we need individuals to come together across the industry to really test, pilot, validate circular systems and then do so on a wider scale. The second is we need more financiers investing in these different types of innovations, um, you know, so enabling them to scale. And then probably the third thing is we need better and widespread consumer education on why to behave more responsibly and why to shop more responsibly, just so that mm. we can have more conscious decisions made on their part. You know, at, at the moment, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about uh, about uh, how, how can we accelerate this uh, sustainable revolution. I mean, in the fashion industry, but actually in, in all the industries. At the end of the day, sometimes I say to myself, okay, if, if we want the change to happen, we, we need to uh, implement uh, rules at the state level to force people to consume differently. Because if we think that the goodwill will be the solution, that's not going to happen. What's your point of view um, uh, on this? I think that's right. Um I think it's difficult to rely on the goodwill of people to make the right decisions. I think um, legislation, for example, is an important driver in implementing change. Um, it's really a, a push and a pull. But I think in order to drive real sustained change, we do need um, change in legislation. And that is coming online. Obviously, we have, uh, for example, the EU Waste Directive coming on in 2025, which basically says that household textile waste has to be collected separately. That's a material change in the way things are happening at the moment and will eventually lead to driving further um, innovation in that space. But I would agree it's it's we cannot be solely reliant on consumers to enable this. It needs to come from corporate and from government. Well, what makes you feel uh, optimistic? What, what are the signals in the industry that makes you feel optimistic? So I think I feel optimistic a when you have large sums of funding allocated by governments to actually trial and test these innovations like what we've done in, in new cotton and t-rex i think the second thing that makes you feel optimistic is that we're seeing more and more people doing these types of projects even outside of what fashion for good is doing people have or are gaining an appetite to really test and, and try things out and i think the third thing that makes me optimistic is that we have Um, legislation coming on board in Europe that will basically encourage further adoption of these sustainable innovations and help us move in the right direction away from, you know, decoupling from fossil fuel, moving towards things that are more regenerative, more restorative. Mm. Is there similar um, similar things in the in the US or in Asia, uh, or, or this is very uh, European uh, kind of? Um Of, uh, yeah, of practice, actually. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, let me comment from an innovation standpoint, we're definitely seeing innovations in, in the US and in Asia, and we source our different innovations on a global basis. So that's, that's definitely the case. 
from a legislation perspective, I think that's slightly different. I think Europe is really leading the way um, in terms of formulating specific legislations to tackle climate change. I think the U.S. is starting to do that, but I think they have a more complex, um, you know, road ahead. And it really depends, I think, what happens in their next elections as to as to how they'll progress from a green economy perspective. Asia is hard for me to comment on because I'm not as familiar with their legislative landscape. But my broad understanding is that Europe is really uh, sort of leading here. Yeah, yeah. And what are the biggest challenges for for the next years for um, for fashion for goods and 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 more generally for for the fashion industry? The biggest challenge will be to figure out how to break the current linear system. So right now, we take fossil fuels, we make, for example, polyester garments, and we throw them away. And if we're going to move to a more circular economy, we need to break that cycle. But the people, the companies, the manufacturers involved in that linear system are enormous and there are thousands of people. So in order to really build a circular economy, you, you are asking for a mammoth change in the way people think, in the way businesses are designed, and ultimately the way we treat new resources and waste. So there's a lot of work to be done in, in moving in, in that direction. But this change has to be supported by states, right? Completely. And this has to be undermined, or not undermined, wrong word, underpinned by legislation, because I think that's really a driving component. That and obviously capital, so investor capital, going into the spaces that, that require growth. And, and do you feel, see the, the, the willingness of the states to, uh, to finance? Uh, I mean, this is, a, this is a massive change in the whole industry to, that needs to happen. So yep. um, do, do you feel that something is going to happen soon? I think it depends on the country. I think we're seeing that in Europe to a degree where you have funding set aside like the EU Horizon 2020 funding, but not across the board. I think there could be a lot more that's done both in a private and public capacity in terms of setting aside green funding. Um, and I hope that'll change in, in you know, the coming years because there's a lot more funding that's required. We, you know, just at Fashion for Good, we did a study with BCG a couple of years ago to assess the total funding required to transition. And it's, you know, in the talking in the billions, trillions of dollars. I can't remember the number off the top of my head now, but it's really substantial. All right. Uh, let's move to the quick rapid fire question uh, part. Um Where do you look at to get inspired in whatever industry um, and how do you stay ahead of the game? Me as Kathleen or as Fashion for Good? <laughs> ah, both. Let's, 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 uh, yeah, let's do both. I think at Fashion for Good, we stay ahead by making sure we always know who the best of the best is from an innovation standpoint. So we really, really stay on top of that. Um, For myself, I like reading different publications. I like looking at Wired, at you know Bloomberg Business, at what the fashion publications are doing, at New York Times, just to see what people are writing about and what's catching their attention. And I think that, and also talking to people in industry, uh, I think is very important. So that's probably how I I stay ahead. Uh, what is the last piece of clothes you bought? The last piece of clothes I bought, oh, was actually for my son because. He, we are in South Africa at the moment. We came from okay. Europe and he had no summer clothing and he's gotten really big in the last two weeks. I bought him a T-shirt because we were desperate. All right. <laughs> But uh, well, I have to say, I checked the label and it was yeah. uh, it was actually made of yeah, 100% recycled cotton, which is great. Wow, fantastic. Well done. <laughs> What is the personality you would like to listen to in this podcast? 
So I think I'd like to hear perhaps from somebody that's pushing the boundaries a bit more and maybe a little bit more controversial than those you've already had on the podcast to date. Mm -hmm. Do you have any name in, 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 uh, in your head? I don't at the top of mind, but maybe have you interviewed anybody at like, um, you know, Extinction Rebellion or any of these more extreme groups just to understand their point? I'd love to, yeah. about people who are, you know, complete activists, people are activists, but also in the know that are not mm. just operating on, you know, sentiment and, and passion, but operating on, on understanding the, the true problems. Yeah, yeah, so that that's would true. Be interesting. That would be fantastic. Yeah, let's uh, I, I, let's put them on the list. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kathleen. It was a, a pleasure to have you and to know more about Fashion for Good. Um, you take care and, and, and speak you soon. I hope to see you uh, in, in, in real at some point. Yes, that would be great. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast till the end. If you want to support this initiative, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you follow. Just click on the subscribe button, rate it five stars, and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to share the podcast on your favorite social media. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion.